in a series called Your Choice, Your Voice, and in this series we've been talking about the power of our words, and in the first half of this series, just to catch you up, uh, Pastor Mike kind of led us through some words or some things that tend to come out of our mouths that if we're not careful, they can bring uh, death and destruction and chaos into our lives, into the relationships that we have, but a few weeks ago, we kind of started to make a turn, and we began to look at some words that can actually begin to, if we put them into practice, transform our lives and actually uh, bring life into our relationships. And so today we're going to take a look at two little words that every single one of us knows are important, every single one of us uses. Problem is, is that we probably don't use it as often as we should. And the two words that we're going to look at today are the words Thank you. Now, I want to start by giving you a, a quiz. That's what we're going to do. Uh, don't worry if you didn't study, right? For those of you that are like type A and you're like freaking out a little bit, you can't fail this quiz. It's, it's really called, um, it's something that's going to help you discover the things that you're thankful for and really kind of make a decision as to which one of two options are you more thankful for. So that's, that's really, it's as simple as that. So let me give you an example of what this will look like. Here's, a, let's put the first one up. Are you more thankful for toilet paper or are you more thankful for your tooth? Now, the reason I'm not making you vote on this one is because you're going to have to sit next to the person beside you for another 30 minutes, and it could be very awkward, depending on which one they chose. And so I, don't, I just don't want you to know, right, like which one, which one they chose on that. But if you choose the one on the left-hand side, you just put your left hand up. If you choose the one on the right-hand side, you're more thankful for that option, then you're going to put your right hand up, okay? Very, very simple. Here we go. Let's see what the next one is. Are you more thankful for your feet or for your hands. How many of you are thankful for your feet? You are your feet people. Okay, how many of you are more thankful for your hands? All right. Everyone under 25 is like, how would I text if I didn't have? I don't even understand. That's not even an option. It's just, that's a silly question. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Well, let's move on to the next one. Uh, are you more thankful for your pet or for your friends? Right? Here we go. Pet or friends. How many of you are more thankful for your pet? <laughs> yeah, hope your friend's not sitting next to you while you just voted for that one. How many of you are more thankful for your friends? Okay, yeah, you know what? We talked last week about the fact that people lie 1.65 times a day. Many of you just used yours because I see what you do on social media. Many of you have more pictures of your pets than you do your kids, right? Like, I don't, I'm not even believing you with that one. All right, let's see what's the next one. Next one, let's see. Oh, it's a tough one. This is a tough one. How many of you are more thankful for your shower? Mm. How many of you are more thankful for your bed? Wow, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how you choose. I think I'd cry if I didn't have either of those. All right, one last one, one last one. How many of you are more thankful for the weekend or more thankful for the weekend? No, that isn't spelt wrong. Yes, that really is his hair, and we really don't need to take a vote on, on that one, I don't think, um, at all. So here's the deal, right? It's, it's this. We've all been taught since we were kids the importance of those two words, thank you. We know that they're incredibly important in our lives. It's a learned behavior for all of us because the reality is, is it's not natural, Right? It's not natural. It's not a natural response for us just to come out and say thank you and to appreciate all the things that are done for us all the time. But it should be. It really should in our lives, shouldn't it? And I, I recently heard someone who was making a, a case, they were really fighting for this, uh, that to take someone for granted was actually one of the highest compliments you could give them. And, and this was their premise, was that when someone is so consistent, when someone does something so great on a, on a consistent basis, right, that you move from this place of, of appreciating them to a place where you just expect it from them. And then ultimately, that taking someone for granted is, is the greatest compliment ever. 
we're so messed up, right? Like just our culture to even, to even think and to get to that place, to think that, that taking someone for granted would be greater than appreciation, right? To wake up Christmas morning and say, Merry Christmas, here's what I expect from you today, right? I, because I love you, right? Like it's just, it just doesn't even make sense. We all have so much in our lives that we know we should be thankful for, especially as followers of Jesus. Right, as followers of Jesus, there really should be no end to the list of things that we are thanking God for. In fact, I would say that, that we should thank God more often than a Canadian apologizes, which is a lot, by the way, right? And I'm sorry for that, right? But it's just, that's just the reality of that situation. We've, we've all seen the power of what thank you can do, right? When we offer it to someone who's done something for us or sacrificed for us, and it really doesn't matter how big or how small that offer is, We've seen the power of saying those two words, thank you. We've also felt it. We've felt the joy that comes into our lives when someone appreciates that sacrifice, that thing that you did for them. Everyone benefits when we say thank you, when we are grateful people, yet we don't say it enough. In fact, I was reading some, doing some research on this and, and I discovered this, a recent study said that people in general, right, that we say thank you once for every 20 opportunities that we have to offer it. And of the times that we actually do say thank you, 50% of the times, we don't even mean it, right? It just comes out because it's a habit. It's just something we do. Oh yeah, thank you for that, right? But there's, there's, no, there's no genuine appreciation that's connected to it. Studies have found that a significant number of employees would rather kindness, would rather gratitude, would rather appreciation than money in their jobs. In fact, a recent one that I read said that 70% of people would rather have a kinder boss who appreciated them than to have a 10% raise in their salary. How many of you are in the other 30%? You're like, show me the money, right? Like I wanna see, 100% of us would say that we want both, right? That we would love to have some more money, but that's a powerful, powerful statement to say that 70% of people said that they would rather have a kinder boss that was more grateful for them, right? That showed that appreciation more often. If you need one more reason to be thankful in your life, here, here it is, uh, researchers have discovered that, uh, that an attitude of gratitude, right, a lifestyle of gratitude that, that someone who pursues this, not only do you feel like you're a better person, but you actually feel better, right? Like there are literally physical um, effects that come from this. Clinical trials have, uh, have indicated that the practice of gratitude, not only will it lower your blood pressure, but it will also improve your immune system and your immune function, and it'll actually help us sleep better. In fact, a recent study from the University of San Diego, uh, California, San Diego School of Medicine said this, that people who are more grateful, there is evidence that they have uh, uh, the healthier hearts, that there's less inflammation and that they have healthier heart rhythms in their lives. In fact, people who keep a gratitude journal have a reduced dietary fat intake by as much as 25%, which means the more you say thankful, the skinnier you are, right? Like that's, that's, what it, that's what it says. Stress hormones like cortisol are 23% lower in grateful people. And having a daily gratitude practice could actually reduce the effects of aging to our brains. I mean, I, it's, it's crazy the stats that are out there. And I understand it, right? I understand for some of you, I, I understand where you are right now. If we were to go to Chick-fil-A tonight, right after just you and me, and we were to sit face-to-face, uh, -face because uh, let's just face it, that's where Jesus would eat if he was still here, right? It's like Jesus' chicken, uh, right? If we were to go to Chick-fil-A and we were to sit down face-to-face -face and we were to talk about this, I understand that some of you would say, Donnie, if, if you only understood, if you only knew 
what's going on in my life right now. And, and I get it, like I, it's probably not always going to be this way, but the stuff that I'm dealing with, the people in my life, the broken relationships, the brokenness, right? If you only understood, Donnie, how hard it is for me to be grateful right now. Maybe you're a high school student and you made the team, but you're not starting. Maybe you don't even get to play. You just kind of sit on the bench the entire time. Maybe you have a, a 4.0 GPA, but you weren't selected to be the valedictorian. And, and even though you have this great, um, these academic achievements, you, you can't find a job out of college. Maybe it's the promotion that you got at work. You didn't get the pay increase that you hoped for. All you got were more hours and greater responsibilities. Maybe it's something in regards to a relationship. Maybe it's a friendship that you're dealing with. Maybe it's the boy or the girl that you're dating. Maybe it's your relationship with your husband or your wife. Maybe it's the relationship that you have with your kids. It just takes so much work, right? And it's just so much harder than you ever thought it was going to be. It's just hard to be grateful all the time in that. Maybe it's the, the new house or the new car that you bought. That was great at the time, but now stuff is going wrong with it and you're constantly repairing it, creating all of these other stresses in your life. See, gratitude cannot be based on a feeling. Gratitude is always a choice that we have to make. It's an act of obedience that actually leads to freedom in our lives. See, gratitude is a humble surrender of our, of our wants, right, of our needs, of our preferences in life so that we can appreciate and we can enjoy the things that have been given to us. It's putting our needs aside so that we can put the needs of other people in front of us. And when we are grateful people, what we begin to see is that our problems are put into a new perspective in our lives. See, we all know that we should be more thankful. We know the impact it has on other people's lives. We know the impact it has on our lives when we're more grateful. And so the, really, this is a reminder for most of us, right? It's a truth that, that should be played on our lives, but the reality is, is that it's just not a habit that, that shows itself as often as it should. Well, I think the Bible can help us with that, help us figure out how to put this into practice more often in our lives. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 17. That's where we're gonna hang out uh, today. And, uh, and so if you, have, uh, if you don't have a Bible with you today, that's all right. You can follow along uh, on the side screens. You can download our app as well. We've got notes there that you can add to and, uh, uh, and, and send those to yourself later. If you are reading from your Bible today, you're gonna burn twice as many calories as everybody else. And so um, prove that that's wrong, right? You can't. So um, now while you're holding on, just keep your finger there in Luke 17 while you're turning there. And I wanna read to you 1 Chronicles uh, 16, verse 34. And this is just such a cool verse. I, I love this. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. See, we have every reason just in that verse alone, right, of why we should be thankful people. It starts by just saying that, that God is, is good. Every good thing that happens to us, every good thing in our lives is always from God, every single one. Whether you believe in God or not, whether you recognize that it's from God or not, whether you appreciate God for it or not, every good thing that happens in your life, it comes from a God who is good. But it also says that he faithfully loves us, right? That his faithful love, which means it's always there. It endures forever. It's not going anywhere. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't, it doesn't not show up when you need it the most, right? Even when we're faithless, the Bible says that God is faithful. We don't deserve God's love, and yet he freely gives it to us. In fact, it was God that went first. He didn't wait till we showed up. He didn't wait till we asked for it. He didn't wait till, till we were good enough in our lives to deserve it. He simply said, I'm gonna love you first. So that's every reason that we need 
to be thankful, to, to live this life of gratitude. But I wanna show you a story in the life of Jesus that I think shows Jesus both his goodness and it also shows his love for us. And it really shows us the importance of what it means of being thankful in our lives. We're gonna see four E's from this story that I think are gonna help us be more thankful people every single day. Let me give you the background. Jesus has left Galilee he, uh, for the very last time. He's not gonna return there. Um, now he's on his way to his death on the cross. He's traveling south towards Jerusalem. We don't know exactly where he is when this story takes place, but it's somewhere on the border between Galilee and Samaria. Now, Galilee was a, a Jewish territory. It's, it's where Jewish people live. Samaria was occupied by Samaritans. Now, Samaritans were despised by the Jewish people, right? They were kind of seen as the lowest of the low. And so there was so much animosity between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. And so what would happen is, is for a lot of Jewish people, if they had to travel from, um, from the north, from Galilee to Jerusalem, or from the south, reverse from Jerusalem up to, uh, to Galilee, they wouldn't go through Samaria. They would, in fact, they would cross the Jordan River, they would cross all the way down on the other side, and then they would cross back. But not Jesus. What we're gonna see in just a second is that Jesus shows no prejudices. Jesus doesn't distinguish between Jews and Samaritans. He doesn't distinguish between those that are healthy and those that are sick, those that are really spiritual and, and those that aren't. Jesus is gonna go right down the middle. He shows that, that he loves everyone. In fact, if you have your Bible, Luke 17, beginning at verse 11, it says this. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Now let's just stop there for a second. We're gonna start with these, these 10 men who had, I think, probably the worst disease of their day, right? The, the physical ramifications of leprosy were, were horrendous. And I, and I wanna describe to you what their life would have been like back in, in Jesus' day. Leprosy would start by damaging the, the small nerves on, on the surface of your skin. And then literally what would happen is that you would, you would suffer a loss of sensation, right? You, you wouldn't be able to feel things anymore, which doesn't sound like a terrible thing, right? You, you wouldn't necessarily feel pain. That's where the problem was. Because without the feeling of pain, you wouldn't feel the, the severity of a twisted ankle or a pulled muscle, right? Everyday activities like burns or, or cuts or ulcers, what they could do is that they would actually, they would, they would get infected and they would turn into something else. They would turn into greater disabilities. It would cause all kinds of issues, all kinds of problems. Small patches, nodules would develop uh, on the people's skin and eventually those lumps would turn into a place where, where you were completely unrecognizable. Your hands would be distorted, feet distorted, face distorted. And after a while, what would happen is that these sores would begin to, to ulcerate, right? And, and they would just smell absolutely terrible. And so due to the inability to detect pain, things like getting a little bit of dirt or grit in your eye could lead to blindness, right? These ulcers would develop on your voice to a, a point where eventually you would potentially lose your voice. At least, at bare minimum, you would speak with a, a, a rasp, right? You would breathe with a, a wheeze to your voice. I can't even imagine what it would have been like, right? 2,000 years ago, without the, the medical treatments that we have today. But see, it wasn't just the, the grotesque physical damage to their bodies. It wasn't just the fact that they had to yell out loud with their cries, these, these desperate cries. It wasn't just the fact that, that they were, there was this smell of rotting and, and decaying flesh. I want you to try to imagine the emotional pain of leprosy. In my mind, it would even worse than the physical loss, right? Because in, in biblical days, lepers were treated as, as outcasts. 
because it was perceived to be so contagious. In fact, in Leviticus 13, 13, 45, it says this, those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. See, a leper was removed from their family, removed from their community. They would have no contact whatsoever with their, with their parents, with their family, with their friends, right? No contact with your spouse, with your children, with your, your grandchildren, None of that. Immediately cut off, immediately removed from all social relationships and connections. Can you imagine the pain that would be associated with that? Many of us have experienced that. So don't be too quick to write that off, right? Many of us have experienced the same kind of pain that a leper would experience. We've been in a relationship. It just hasn't gone the way that we dreamed it was going to go. Never imagined that this dating relationship was going to go this direction. Never imagined this marriage was going to go in that direction. Never imagined that my relationship with my son or my daughter would turn out like this. Maybe it was that job. The beginning was so great, right? It was amazing, loved being there, but now it's just turned into this burden that every day you've got to force yourself to go to. Maybe it's a financial situation that's led to, to so much stress and so much worry and so many other effects in your life. Maybe it's a health situation. You don't know what the end result is going to be. Maybe it's an addiction. No matter how hard you try, it just keeps showing up. It just keeps coming up. It keeps coming back. You keep giving in. See, maybe for some of us, we've been in pain for so long that, that we just were left feeling numb. We've become used to it. We've become desensitized to those things. And the result is that we allow further destruction to happen in our lives. Some of it's our choices. Sometimes it's the words that we say or the choices that we make. Sometimes it's what we allow to happen in our lives without even feeling the weight, without feeling the pain, without feeling the effects of what other people may be doing to us. Bad situations slowly getting worse. And literally, it's like we're dying and we don't even, don't even realize it. For some of us, we feel that way. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to know that there is hope. In fact, that's the first E word that we have here is we embrace hope even in difficult circumstances. See, by crying out master, what these, these lepers, these 10 lepers show us is that they had, they had some form of hope, right? Their hope was in Jesus and it, and it was in Jesus alone. They recognized who Jesus was and they believed that Jesus could do something about their condition. And so they call out to him in that loud voice and they call him master and they're showing him what place he has in their lives. Even when things look like they're completely hopeless, these guys still find hope. And the same is true for us. No matter what your circumstance or situation is, even when things seem completely hopeless, Jesus can always be our source of hope. And the reason that we can be thankful in our lives, not for the situation, not for the circumstance, right? I'm not saying you should be thankful for the pain that you're experiencing, but the fact that God is with us right there in the middle of it. See, it's not a coincidence that Jesus chose to go that way. Where everyone else would have gone out and around and come back in, Jesus went right down the middle. He knew that he was going to be in that place where he was going to have this connection and this experience with these guys. Jesus puts himself right in the middle of our pain every single time. We can embrace hope even in difficult circumstances. Look at verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Two things happen here. 
This is so great, right? The first is imagine what this scene looks like as, as, they're, as they're walking away and their skin begins to tingle and their skin begins to, to heal up. Patches of, of what was dead skin or diseased skin begins to turn back to its natural color and it, and it becomes to be healthy again. And all of a sudden, maybe those that, that couldn't speak are able to speak again. Those who maybe had lost their sight are able to begin to see again the miraculous things that are happening right here, which leads to so many questions. Right? Did they simply heal as is, or, or did they actually have body parts that would grow back in, in a new way? We, we don't know exactly, but what we do know is that the disease was reversed, that their dying bodies are now being made alive again, that the one who created them is recreating them. For 10 men, they now know the, the joy of health and strength and, and dignity Right? They could return to their homes, they could return to their families, they could hug their wives, they could, they, could, they could pick up their kids, they could kiss their moms. They were healed. Here's the second thing that stands out in, in this verse. Look at their faith. I mean, this is amazing, right? Jesus hadn't healed any of them instantly. Right? And some of the miracles that we see with Jesus, we see uh, sometimes he did things where maybe he would touch some of the people that he healed, and, and as a result, uh, they would be healed. Or, or there was this one time where he spit in the ground, right, and he made some mud, and he put it on, a, on the eyes of a blind man, and he was able to see as a result. Uh, there were times where Jesus prayed, and when he prayed, uh, people were miraculously healed. He didn't do any of those things in this situation. Jesus simply said, go, show yourselves to the priests. Problem is, is they had nothing to show. Right? Nothing had changed in their lives yet. They, they weren't any different than they were two minutes ago before Jesus got there. But Jesus is asking them to respond in faith. You see, their obedience would determine their outcome. And all 10 of them, all 10 of them responded in faith. And as they went on their way, Jesus healed every single one of them. Here's the second E. We can expect God to do something even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't look like the outcome is ever going to change in our lives, we can expect God to do something. That's what faith is all about. Every time I read this story, it challenges my faith. Because there are so many times in my life where I, where I say, God, I, I just want to see you do something, and then I'm all in. Right, God, if you show up in this circumstance or in this relationship or this situation, God, if you show up and do the thing that I need you to do, man, I will follow you anywhere. And God says, Donnie, that's not the way it works. I need you to respond to me, and then I'm going to do something in your life. See, our obedience will determine our outcome. You can't wait till the problem's over to start walking in faith. You can't put limitations or conditions on a holy God. You can't say, God, as soon as I'm healed of this health issue, right, then I'm, I'm gonna trust you with my life. You can't say, God, as soon as there's enough money, right, then I'm gonna follow all the instructions that you have in your word. God, I'm, I'm just praying, right, as soon as you solve this family issue that we've been dealing with, then I'm gonna start serving others. It doesn't work that way. You can't put conditions on God. Instead, God places a demand for faith on us before anything in our lives has changed. God might be saying to you today, love me. Despite the disease that you're dealing with, or obey me, despite the lack of talent, or maybe even the lack of resources that you feel like you have in your life, follow me. Even though I know you're wrestling with depression, say no to that temptation. I know it's not any easier. I know it's just as hard. Maybe it's even harder today than it used to be. I want you to say no to it. Praise me in the darkest of nights and in the worst of circumstances. See, this is the nature of God. 
It's a God who loves you so much that he is going to give you the opportunity to be thankful even when nothing about your circumstances gives you any motivation to do it. It's the very definition of faith. If you praise God only on the good days, right? If we praise God only when, only when things go our way, only when it's the best of circumstances, then, then that's not faith at all. That's just some kind of business transaction, right? And God's not about doing business deals with us. Some of you right now, you're in horrible circumstances. You're in, in, in terrible relationships. And what awaits you today or, or what awaits you this week maybe forcing you to ask this question, will you be thankful despite your difficult circumstance? See, if you are, if you're willing to do that, you're gonna experience faith the way that Jesus intended for us to experience it. See, we can expect God to do something even when it doesn't make sense in our lives. Now, you ready for the shocking part of this story? Look at verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? See, it isn't amazing that one came back and, and said, thank you. The amazing part of the story is that nine, nine didn't. Nine people whose bodies were disfigured, whose lives had been ruined, who have just experienced this miraculous healing, but they didn't return to say thank you to God. See, there's a dark side of me, right? That, that feels like, man, it, they, I appreciate that God heals them and they should be healed, but maybe just not all the way, right? Like, like it's just, it's kind of like when you're sitting in traffic and, and someone on that, in that right-hand lane that everybody knows is gonna end, just like flies by you. Like, I hope no one lets him in, right? That by the time I get up to that place, he's still there, right? And then still no one is. I know there's a dark side. I'm not sanctified yet, people. I, I totally get it, right? Like, there's a dark side of me. Here's the good news for people like me, and I don't think I'm the only one. It's possible to receive incredibly great gifts from God, even with an ungrateful heart. Here's even more good news. By telling us that this man was a Samaritan, Luke is actually pointing out God's grace is for everyone, even this lowly Samaritan. God's grace, God's mercy, God's healing in our lives, it's available to every single one of us. It doesn't matter how bad you have been. It doesn't matter how far away from God you may feel. God loves us and wants to bring healing into our lives, even, even when we don't deserve it. Now, some of you may be wondering this. You may be wondering, Donnie, why, why would Jesus even need a thank you, right? I mean, he's God. He can do anything he wants. Isn't that petty that Jesus would need a, a human to come back and, and say thank you? Look, look at what Jesus said. He said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Jesus never commanded that any of them express thankfulness to God. He never demanded that, that they would come back and, and say thank you to him. But nevertheless, what we see here is that Jesus really did expect gratitude from them. Do you know why? See, it's not for Jesus' sake. It's not that Jesus needed the other nine to come and say thank you. It's, it's, it's for our sake that Jesus expects gratitude. Here's the third E, is that we need to express our gratitude. We need to share it out loud. We all love being appreciated. Right, when we say it, when we say those two words, thank you, it takes our relationships to a, a, whole, a whole new level. I can't imagine that the other, that the other nine weren't grateful. Right? They, they had to be because they've just been given their lives back. And, and I, I understand that in their excitement, they probably want, just thought of nothing else but to, to run home to their families. 
But I love that this one man showed his gratitude by taking the time to return to Jesus and simply saying, thank you. Simply expressing your gratitude. It is going to change every single relationship that you have. But look at what else happens when we say thank you. Look at verse 19. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, some of you may be asking, what what does that mean, right? Because I thought he's already been healed, right? He walked away and Jesus healed him. That's why he came back to say thank you. Yes, he was. But but the word rise for those early Christians, right? There was was that word was used in multiple ways. And one of the ways that that word was used is is with the word resurrection. In fact, here's how it was used in, in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus said this, then they will hand him over, referring to himself, to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be, here's our word, raised from the dead. Jesus is predicting his death and his resurrection. That through his death on that cross, that sin would be defeated. That death would be defeated. That forgiveness would be offered to us, right? That our sin was taken upon Jesus and he gave us his righteousness in exchange for that. But then through his resurrection, he proved that everything that he said and everything that he did, he proved that he was God. Dead things coming back to life. See, this man experienced so much more than just a physical healing. I'm sure that would have been enough for him, but he he experienced even more because he was so scarred on the inside, just like every single one of us. But Jesus healed all of him. Here's the last E, is that when we're grateful, we experience God's healing power in our lives. See, being thankful not only did it heal his heart, it, it grew his faith, but it, it changed his life. And, and it's the way that it happens in every single one of us when we experience and we express gratitude. And we know this. We believe this. That's why as parents, right, we have a, a question that we ask our children when they're young. Every time they receive a gift, right, that, that question is, what do you say, right? Like we, we ask our kids that question, and it's not really up for debate, right? Our kids know that there's, they're not looking, you're not looking for their opinion on what they should say. It's two words that they need to say, right? Thank you. Even if our kids don't feel gratitude, they need to learn to feel grateful, even for that knit sweater with the snowflake on it from grandma, right? Or the, the, the Dora the Explorer footy pajamas that they got when they were in high school and they were a boy, right? Like whatever it is, right? Like you, you just have to learn those things. Why? Because there's something so powerful about those words in our lives. It makes us humble and it puts the needs of others in front of our own. And just like children, there are times in our lives where we need to be grateful even when we don't feel like it because it's the right thing to do. And it changes our heart. And because the alternative to a life of gratitude is a life of ingratitude. It's a heart that's chronically discontent. A heart that complains all the time. It's judgmental, dissatisfied with everything. Don't look at or elbow your spouse right now, right? Like this is not a good time to do that. And gratitude, what it does is it makes our heart grow smaller and harder and colder and it's a miserable way to live. But saying thank you, it helps us do four things. It helps us embrace hope, even even in difficult circumstances. It helps us to expect God is going to do something, even, even when it doesn't make sense. It's how we express our gratitude and so that we can experience God's healing power in our lives. So how do I get better at doing this? Let me give you three simple things. Three simple things this week that if you do these, that you're gonna experience immediate improvements in, in so many different areas of your lives, especially in your relationships. Here's the first one. Daily make a list. Just spend a few minutes every single day and begin to write down the things that you 
are grateful for. So many things in our lives. If you're doing it right, right, it won't take you very long to get into it, and, and you're going to have to probably set a stopwatch or a timer on your phone right, to stop you from doing it because you're going to recognize and realize there are so many things that we should be thankful for. And so take a few minutes every single day this week and just grab a piece of paper and just begin to list the things that you're grateful for. Every mouthful of food, every breath of, of air that fills your lungs, the music that you hear and that you feel, a smile that you see on the, on the face of a child or on a friend. Even thank God for your kids at least three times a week, whether they deserve it or not, right? Just, just be thankful for them. Our cars and our jobs and our houses, so many things in our lives that God has blessed us with. See, listing those things, what it does is it helps us to look up. It helps us to look up from our circumstances to the God that's in control of everything. It helps us to look up from our pain to the power of God in our lives. It helps us to look up from our lack to the love of God that is endless and faithful in our lives. Here's the second thing. Is it daily you write a note? See, this is gonna come out of that first list. Out of all of the things that you are now thankful for, you're gonna recognize that God's gonna begin to bring people to your mind, people that you are so grateful for. And here's what I would tell you. You can never say thank you enough. You're never gonna experience a time in your life where someone says, I'm gonna need you to stop thanking me, right? Like, too much gratitude, right? Too much appreciation, too, much, uh, comp too many compliments in my life. Like, I need you to stop thanking me. You're never gonna be able to thank people enough for the ways in which they've impacted your life. And the more thankful we become, the more aware we become of those people in our lives that have impacted and shaped and, and changed us, that old teacher, that baseball coach, a boss or an employee or a neighbor, that small group leader in our lives. In fact, it may even take us to a place where we become preemptively grateful. And here's what I mean by that, right? Is that we actually, God begins to bring people to our minds that we know we're going to encounter that week. We begin to write them thank you notes even in advance of meeting them. Maybe it's the barista at Starbucks that can never get your name right, but always gets the coffee right, right? Like, that tastes good. Write them a thank you note. Maybe it's that relative that's coming in a few weeks to Thanksgiving, and even though every story you share, they're gonna have a bigger and better story, right, to, to trump yours. Maybe write them a little thank you note. Leave it on their plate for them to read. So nothing is gonna strengthen your relationships faster than saying thank you. And so you make a list and then write a note. And I don't care if it's a, a handwritten note. It doesn't matter if you go on social media and post something uh, on their Instagram account or their Facebook page. The cool part of that is that other people will be able to see it and experience it. Other people may even build and add on to that. It, it could be an incredible thing. Maybe it's just writing something encouraging on their bathroom mirror, assuming you live in the same house with them, right? Because otherwise that's weird, right? Like don't, don't be that thankful, right? That's, just, that's, a, that's illegal uh, in many places. Here's the third one, daily thank God. Right, we, we thank, we make the list, we, we write out a note to one person every single day and then every single day we take a few minutes at the end of our day and we just, just thank God for the incredible things that he's done in our lives, for who he is and for what he did for you today. Remember 1 Chronicles 16, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his faithful love endures forever. No matter what it is that we are dealing with, God is always there by your side and there are so many things that we can be thankful to him for even if it's just Jesus, every single day for the rest of your life. God, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for giving up your rights and privileges as God to become like us. Thank you for, for the model life that you live for us. Thank you for being sinless. Thank you for your teachings. Thank you for the miracles that you perform. Thank you for dying on a cross so that I could be forgiven of my sins. Thank God every single day for Jesus. 
Maybe it's the forgiveness that you've received. It's a fresh start that you have, purpose in your life, peace, even though everything around you seems to be falling apart. Maybe it's your Bible. Maybe it's for your church. Maybe it's for Pastor Mike and our elders and our leaders. So many things that we can be thankful for. Not only are you going to sleep better and worry less and stress less, but you're going to enjoy life so much more and every single relationship so much more than you did even the day before. Imagine what this would look like in our lives. You're going to have better relationships. You're going to have better health in your life. You're going to be a better example to others around you. And you're going to have this unexplainable peace and joy that's only found because of who Jesus is and our gratitude to him. Now, next week, we're going to wrap up the series and we're going to talk about three more little but very, very powerful words that can change everything for us. It's the words, I forgive you. Whether you need to receive it or you need to give it, or maybe it's both for most of us. Next week has the potential to, to change your life. And so I would encourage you to come back for that. Uh, and who's that person in your life that you know is just paralyzed by that thing, that grudge, that hurt, that pain um, that just needs to come and hear about the incredible forgiveness that's found in a relationship with Jesus, but also uh, can be offered in our lives to set us free. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, for your incredible grace. God, so many things to thank you for. Father, this story reminds me all the time, God, of how I get things backwards and I want you to do stuff for me so that I can, so that I can follow you in that. And God, I recognize that, that there are times in my life where you say, Donnie, I need you to respond to me first and just trust that I am going to do the things that need to be done in your life. God, will you help us to live that way with that kind of faith? And Father, help us to be the kind of people that express our gratitude to you and to the people that you have brought into our lives. God, imagine what you could do with a church where it wasn't just one out of 10 that was thankful, but it was 10 out of 10, every single one of us. Imagine what, those, what our relationships would look like. Imagine what our, our work and school situations would look like. Imagine the confidence we would have going into every single circumstance, every single trial, every single moment of life living a life of gratitude because of who you are and what you've done for us. So much for us to be grateful for. God, we love you, and we just want to say thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. We are so excited to be a small part of all the great things God is doing in and through your life. If you would like to take the next step in your spiritual journey, download our app to find ways to connect, opportunities to serve, and other resources. And if you'd like to contribute financially to our vision of reaching the triangle and changing the world, visit us at gethope.net slash giving. Thank you for your commitment to resourcing hope as we love people where they are and encourage them to grow in the relationship with Jesus.